This is the Studio Alchemy Podcast, episode 92, an interview with Tanaya Amelia Forchek. Our quote of the day was said by Jane Hirschfield. She wrote, Why ask art into life at all, if not to be transformed and enlarged by its presence and mysterious means? Hello, everyone. The purpose of this podcast is to explore creative ways to transform our lives through visualization, manifestation, art making, and yes, many new age self-help techniques. Alchemy was the ancient study of changing materials from one thing into another, and we all do this every day. Every choice you make is transforming our world. On this podcast, we explore ways we can change both our physical and spiritual selves for the better. On this podcast, we hunt for the wise balance between accepting what is and taking empowered action. My name is Addie Hurston. I am an artist. I sign my paintings with the name Vita. I teach online creativity classes and have written a few books, including The Alchemy of Painting, Developing Your Style and Purpose, and my new book that was recorded for Audible, Start Selling Your Art, A Guide to Starting a Professional Art Business. When this podcast first started, it was to share just stories about artists, and it was called The Alchemy of Art Podcast. And now we are the Studio Alchemy Podcast and have expanded our topics of discussion to include ways that everyone can harness their creative energy. To find out more about my projects, classes, and to sign up for my art newsletter, I invite you to go to my website, studioalchemy.art announcements. So uh, here at the studio uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, I've been working really hard because I've got several classes that are coming up. One is uh, landscape painting class. That's kind of a traditional class. It's an in-person class. And another one that's going to be really special because it's just, it's just unique. And I've been doing all sorts of research for it. But the topic is painting sacred symbols. So it's diving into what symbols really resonate with us, what have a spiritual meaning and story behind them that can enrich our lives to create a piece of artwork that uses those symbols. So uh, I'm really excited about that class. So that starts in a couple weeks here. Um, both of those classes start in mid-October of 2022. So now, let's talk about uh, the person that I am interviewing for today's podcast. Her name is Tanaya Amelia Vorchek. And Tanaya is a web designer, a personal branding photographer, and an intuitive dream work practitioner. She's based in Sonoma County, California. She's attended the California College of the Arts, as well as the California Institute of Integral Studies, Tanaya is a lifelong dreamer and completed a three-year dream teacher training with the creator of Active Dreaming, Robert Moss. And you can find out more about her work at dreamsthatspeak.com. And now for our interview with Tanaya Amelia Vorchek. Tanaya Amelia, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. I'm going to start in on my first question for you. Excited to hear your answer. Have you had any good dreams that you would like to share with us today? 
I do. And this dream is, you know, one of those dreams in life that really has an impact, like has kind of a reverberation almost throughout time and space. Um, and I feel like a lot of us have had a dream like that in our lives that just even years later is still with us. We can still feel that potency and energy from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is a dream um, that I had several years ago. I think it was about seven years ago now. My father um, had been declining from having early onset dementia for a number mm -hmm. of years at the time. I had this dream. And it ended up being several months before he actually passed away. And at the time of the dream, he wasn't really able to communicate verbally or in writing or in any way. And it had been a long period of, of, of grieving and loss and him sort of losing his ability to connect in most of the ways we humans connect. So mm -hmm. this was particularly meaningful. Um, and so I titled the dream, Dad and the Black Snake. And in the dream, my father and I were driving in our old pickup truck and we came to a bend in the road and I was driving, he was in the passenger seat and we were looking outside the window and there was this enormous black snake spiraling and undulating on the pavement. And I started to get really anxious and I was like, dad, don't go out there. <laughs> There's a huge snake out there, don't get out there. And he slowly opened the door and stepped out in front of the snake. And I was panicking at this point. I was like, dad, you're going to get bitten. You're going to get bitten if you, if you, you know, are near the snake. And he just stepped out and started walking around the snake and he turned to me. And I'm totally freaking out at this point in the dream. He turned to me with light shining in his eyes. And I said, dad, dad, you're going to get bitten. You're going to get bitten. And he said, I've been bitten. And he started dancing with the snake and he lifted his arms and started kicking up his heels. And he was prancing in circles and dancing with this black snake. And he'd said, I've been bitten. And that was the dream. Wow. Yeah. And for me, you know, as I sat with this imagery and, and the energy of this dream, to me, it felt like the black snake symbolized the circle of life, like thinking of the symbol of the Ouroboros, of the mm -hmm. snake biting its own tail, of, you know, this sense of the cycles of life and birth and death and these cycles we go through, shedding a skin, you know, it felt to me like my dad was saying, I know I've been bitten and I can rejoice in this space. I'm accepting, I'm acknowledging that I've been dancing with life and now I'm dancing with death and I will keep dancing in the beyond. And it gave me such a sense of, of solace and just acknowledgement and connection to him and, and seeing the light in his eyes and, and just the, the sense of embracing that, that final dance um, meant so much. Yeah. Wow. What a symbol. And, you know, I'm thinking of how the, um, the snake in ancient Greece was paired with healing. Yes. Right. And, um, and, you know, we still have that today with our, you know, symbol of medicine with the, the snake uh, crawling up the rod. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, we think of a snake, it can bite you, it can kill you. But then it's also, I, I've, it, there's this mystery to me why it was paired with healing um, in, in ancient Greece. But yeah, it, it seems that in your dream, 
there's a correlation there. Yeah. And, and for me, this, you know, like whenever I have a dream of an animal, like I really like, mm -hmm. you know, rather than necessarily like I have some wonderful, you know, Oracle decks of animals that kind of tell you, you know, what, what they mean. I really love to actually look at what is the animal's habitat? What are its mm -hmm. habits? What does it eat? What are, what are we kind of just, what do we know about that creature and how it lives its life? And so when mm -hmm. I think snake, I think of a creature that slides with its belly on the earth that that goes underground that sheds its skin so it kind of has this innate symbolism of transformation and and mm -hmm. shedding and you know when I think about you know what is death it, it is shedding one's skin and you know being born into a new a new place um, mm -hmm. yeah oh wonderful well thank you for sharing that and I know that you have a special class that's coming up that you're going to be teaching that's called Dreaming with the Ancestors. And this very much pairs with that. I'm sure you're going to share that with the class and other dreams as well. But what, tell us just a teeny bit about that class, because I think it sounds exciting. I'd love to. This class is really important to me. I feel like our dreams are such a, a safe and powerful way to really tangibly connect mm -hmm. with our beloved ones who are on the other side. Like for instance, like <laughs> if the ghost of my father just like walked in the room right now, I'd probably be pretty like concerned, like what's happening. But in our dreams, I feel like many of us have had some sort of contact, whether it's with a deceased pet or a deceased loved one, that we really feel their presence. And so mm -hmm. through using um, the type of dream work that I um, have studied, with the man named Robert Moss called active dreaming. I've taken these techniques and, and really applied them to connecting with ancestral symbolism, places, and our beloved ones. And making these connections can really help us, number one, feel connected to them still, even mm -hmm. when they passed away. And then mm -hmm. zooming out, you know, really looking at who are our people? You know, I have a deep conviction that our ancestors want us to thrive. If we go back mm -hmm. through millennia, you know, our ancestors lived close to the earth. They survived, they persisted, they made voyages, they lived their lives. And mm -hmm. just as we love our children and friends, they love us and want us to succeed. So mm -hmm. through our dreams, we can really establish that contact and connection and have practical ways for bringing their messages into our life. So that's really what the class mm -hmm. is focused on, is making contact with ancestors or ancestral symbolism or places? And then how can we bring that energy and inspiration to guide our waking life? Ooh, yeah, fascinating stuff, fascinating stuff. Um, yeah, and I'm reminded of a small dream that was not my dream, it was my mother's dream that I can share with you. Oh, well, it, for her, it was a big dream, but it's not a long story. <laughs> so shortly after my father died in 1986, my mother had a dream that she saw him and she was at this gazebo and he's wearing all white and there's a bunch of other people around him all wearing all white and she ran up to him and she was so excited to see him and she gives him a big hug and there and she's so relieved to be back in the, the physical presence with him and um and he just smiles at her and he's happy to see her but there's this sense that their relationship has changed. It's more like instead of being lovers, they're now friends. There's just this 
physical distance. So they they connect and it feels great to her. Um, and then she wakes up from the dream and she felt more peaceful about losing him just in the sense of that um, losing a lover that you're physically connected to. It helped her move to the next step and recognize that, yeah, that's that part of their relationship was over. And, and the dream really helped with the grieving process. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, and I, th- I think about that dream a lot. It's, you know, even the things like the white, why are they all wearing white? Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for, yeah. for sharing that. Um, may I offer a couple of reflections? Sure. I'd love to hear your reflections. Yeah. An important piece of the dream work that I practice and teach is whenever we're sharing about dreams, like if I'm offering reflections or if you're offering reflections to a loved one or if mm-hmm. I always say like, if it were my dream, just I say that, yeah. Dreamer is always the authority on their dream. I'm not going to say, this is what your dream means. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like you've really kind of tapped into that essential message um, or your mom has. Um, yeah, if this were my dream, there's this sense of just acknowledgement, almost like of a new phase. Like when I think of the color white, I think of mm. clarity, I think of cleansing. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think white is kind of the absence of all colors. So it's this sense mm-hmm. of like, for me, kind of renewal and clearing and and maybe almost a ritual of kind of honoring this shift of, you know, what might be your dad's spirit sort of, you know, being on the other side and, you know, that there's still that connection between your mom and dad, but that it's now in a new chapter. And I just, it's really moving for me what you and your mom took away from that, that it was a relief. It was healing to feel like that connection could still be there, but you know, it's just an acknowledgement that things are are different now in a way. Yes. Yeah. And thank you. And I love that. If it was my dream phrase, when we're referring to other people's dreams and I even do it with artwork. So I teach art classes, as you know, and you know, if somebody asked me, oh, Addie, what should I do with this painting? I'd say, well, if it was my painting, I could add more yellow or I could do this, I could do that. And I'll give them a few ideas, but I try to phrase it in a way that's giving ideas, but not being didactic or authoritarian in a way that's taking away their own voice and their own um, sense of empowerment about the piece. Um, yeah. So, and I know that you paint as well. So you you paint and then you do your intuitive dreaming, teaching, and then you're also a web designer. And I think it's interesting how you, you've you woven those things together sometimes. Sometimes they're separate, but sometimes they're, they're together. So for example, from your website that's on the web design, it seems that if someone makes a, a website with you, you're going to really work with them on a, on a more, on a very meaningful, symbolic level to birth the the website and the business that they are dreaming of doing in a way that's impactful and it's not just corporate cog in the wheel let's make a website and of course when people are coming to you that they are they're really I can say you share the ones that you have been making and you can just tell that there's lots of passion behind so many of the designs that you create so uh, what's the story of how you became a painter and that 
the teacher of the intuitive dreaming methods and the web designer and how they all weave together. I know that's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. going to be your life story. I don't know. <laughs> I'll try to make it brief. Um, you know, I really, when I tap into this question, um, the thing that really comes forth is my name, which my parents, um, you know, gave me as a beautiful gift. The name Tanaya is from um, Yosemite. Um, I was named after a lake in Yosemite, and it's a name from the Awanichi people, the Awanichi band of Native Americans who lived in Yosemite, and their chief was named Tanaya um, from the last chief of those people in the valley. They do still live there and in other places of California today. Um, but the name means he who dreams or dreamer of wisdom. Ooh. And so growing up knowing that, and um, I think that had an impact, just like that seed being planted so early. Um, and then just how I was brought up, my mom and I would talk about dreams at the breakfast table. And I remember when I was a little girl, I think I was in kindergarten or maybe even before that, she bought me a diary and it was before I could really write. And so I would tell her my dreams and, and she, I would dictate them and she would write them in the book for me. So I think just from that very early age, feeling like dreams were something to be celebrated and remembered and played with. Um, I had a very vivid imagination and kind of imaginary magical world. So that part of my life was um, really a solace. Um, there, there is trauma in my, my history and childhood. And so I also think that dreams um, and my imaginal my imaginary world were also a place that felt safe and where I could mm -hmm. explore and at times escape to. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of the art, you know, my mom is an artist and so there was always art supplies around. And I remember as a little girl, she would get like a glass casserole dish and put paint on it. And I would swirl it around with my fingers and make um, a pattern. And then she'd put paper on it and peel it back and make a mm -hmm. monoprint out of that. So creativity and dreaming and imagination were something that were really celebrated for me growing up. So that just kind of carried on throughout my life. Um, you know, and, and as much of a joy and celebration and place for, you know, inspiration and kind of good energy, you know, art has also been a real saving grace at some pretty challenging parts of my life. I experienced mm. a really profound depression in high school and mm. um, art was really a place where I could just get some of those feelings out of my system in a way that nothing else really could. And particularly like really using my physicality, like making, you know, like scribbling and getting, getting a lot of that just static, that energy out. I think that any type of creation, singing, dance, yoga, cooking, keeping our energy moving, letting things express, it's so important. Because I think for me, depression is a lot about everything just kind of comes to a standstill and feels very oh. numb. And so it's mm -hmm. like some act of creation kind of kind of help pierce that bubble and get things moving again. Oh, wow, yeah, well said, yeah. And then, you know, as I've gone through my um, adult life, I'll kind of fast forward um, to when I um, started the dream work um, in a more, 
place where I was facilitating dream work for others. You know, I'd, I'd always loved sharing dreams with friends and lovers and family. Um, and I'd always felt a call to teach something. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. what, um, ever since I was a little girl. And I was reading my teacher, Robert Moss's book, Dreaming the Soul Back Home. And mm -hmm. this thought just popped in my head. I was like, I should see if he teaches, like if he ever teaches a workshop. And I wasn't yeah. someone who did a lot of workshops, so I don't know where that <laughs> voice came from. But um, it popped in my mind. I went on his mm. website. <laughs> he was teaching three weeks later in Berkeley, which is right, you know, it was like an hour oh. at that time, which in itself really felt like a synchronistic confirmation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was such a joy, that workshop, to just be connecting with other people who valued and were interested in their dreams. And something that I've found about dream work and part of why I wanna share this, you know, in classes and one-on-one -on -one sessions with friends and family is I feel like it really hones different facets of being human that are so important. Like it hones intimacy, vulnerability, mm -hmm. being able to tell your story, being able to kind of tap into your intuition. Like a lot of the dream work I do, it's about like intuitively sensing what symbol in the dream is really kind of popping off. What, what do I need to pay mm -hmm. attention to? Um, I've also noticed, you know, when I'm working with my dreams regularly, sometimes things will come up in my day-to-day -day life that reflect from the dream that, that seem to almost kind of echo, like mm -hmm. little synchronicities start to, to echo. And it just brings that sense of, of meaning and magic and power into daily life, mm -hmm. which, you know, daily life, it's, it can be hard. It can be really hard to just kind of keep that spark of inspiration and, and mystery and joy alive. Mm -hmm. And so I think dreams can really be a place to keep those threads moving in our lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I took Robert Moss's workshop and just loved the work and, and loved the practices that he's developed called active dreaming. And so um, I decided to take his dream teacher training program. And that really helped me feel more confident holding space mm -hmm. for a group, teaching the tools. Um, and it's been, been so much fun. Um, and I can speak for a moment to kind of how I've threaded this into the other things I do, like the web design, for instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had never really occurred to me to, <laughs> to connect the dream <laughs> with web design. Um, and I was working with a wonderful business coach named Phoenix Rose. And she at one point was like, have you ever thought of like bringing those two things together and doing, you know, dream work with your client? And I just felt it in my whole body when she said that. It was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Because hmm. the, the people that I'm mainly working with for web design are people in the healing arts, creative folks, magical folks, you know, people who are living their soul's calling and, and offering hmm. it to the world. And I've found many of my clients have had maybe a more traditional or conventional path in their career. And they're making that pivot to trying something that is more of their deep soul's calling and yearning. Mm -hmm. And so when we do the um, DreamWork session, kind of as part of that beginning of the journey of creating their website, it's really about using a dream. It can be a dream from any time of their lives, but using that dream to really tap into 
the energy, the essence, the vitality, the guidance of what their soul is calling forth for them in that moment. Mm -hmm. Web designer, why it's so helpful for me is because when I'm designing, I really want to channel my client's energy. I want to channel and connect to the energy of their business so that when I'm doing their branding, their colors, their fonts, selecting that imagery, I can really have these symbols alive in my system and then channel it energetically and visually into their website mm -hmm. so that it really feels like them in a more profound way. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. And they're beautiful. They're, your sites are beautiful. And yeah. I love your photography and how it all melds together. So my next question, and I feel that you kind of answered it, uh, how do dreams influence your work and your life? But maybe you have a really good example. Because um, I, I know for me, if I have an impactful dream, it will help me make decisions about my life and or you know uh wake me up to my own feelings about something that I hadn't been aware of before I mean there's so many different ways that it can influence us but maybe you have uh, some examples of ones from your own life the dream that pops to mind for me is really the dream that I think kind of like plopped me down on the path of its ancestor work okay <laughs> like it, it really um had such power and felt like it contained a lot of clues that I'm I'm still experiencing and, and, and researching and learning about. And it's a dream called the Amber Road. And um, there were just elements in this dream. There was um, singing, there was this beautiful polyphonic Eastern European style singing mm. in the dream. And I was mm. traveling through the dark woods and these songs were wafting through the trees and I came upon um, tables that were laid out with tablecloths and there were these sisters. They were like ancient pagan nuns <laughs> who were singing and kind of standing at these tables and on the table were displays of baked goods like scones that had, oh. they had amber rosaries in them. Baked Whoa. In them. Whoa. Yeah, so that's just a nutshell. And then in another part of the dream, one of the sisters was dipping a purple cabbage leaf in holy water and blessing people with it. Oh, yeah, like just scattering the water over the people that were present. And it was this ancient form of blessing. Um, and so this dream, it, it had such energy for me. And in terms of like how I've brought it into my life and kind of how it's guided me, um, I think I was on Facebook at one point and this video popped up and it's this Polish polyphonic women's singing group called Laboratorium Pieśni. <laughs> oh, I'm going to cry. This video started playing of their song called Stoi Pamoru and my whole body just electrified and it was the singing from my dream. It was this okay. powerful song and I just... Mm -hmm something just happened to me. I was like, oh, these are my people. Like, this is my lineage. Um, and so I ended up going a couple months after that to a painting workshop in Portland with one of my teachers, Flora Boley, who's a wonderful painter. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, she's yeah. been on the show. Oh, she has? I, yeah, I interviewed her, I guess it was like four or five years ago. It's, it's oh, been a while, I would have but yeah. Been around the time when I did this. Um, and I was in her workshop, and I had done an underpainting of... Um, just like really dark 
dark colors. So like, where okay. is this coming from? Because <laughs> yeah. I usually pretty bright. And um, I put this song on my headphones on repeat, and I just kind of went into this space. <laughs> I mean, I it was one of the most transporting painting experiences I'd ever had. And in my imagination, I just brought the dream forth. Like I kind of brought that wooded landscape, that forest to mind. There was the song. So I was kind of using that imagery and energy. I wasn't specifically trying to depict the dream, but I was just welcoming in that 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 feeling from the dream, that energy. And I just painted for hours and hours and hours nonstop. This painting just flew out of me and it I've got it right next to me here. Ooh, ooh, We're talking. Can I see it? It's, um, and it's actually the picture that oops. Oh yeah, that one. Okay. It's the picture that I've used on the dream with the ancestors flyer. Okay. Yeah. And and what I'll say is I feel like um you know, in dreaming with our ancestors, sometimes there's, you know, symbols that are planted like seeds, mm -hmm. I believe this, that might take time to unfold and understand. Mm -hmm. But that's mm -hmm. just part of the mystery. Um, there's a wonderful quote from Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, I'd love to read it if that's oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. It is, um, One of the oldest and most generous tricks the universe plays, plays on us both for its own amusement and for ours. The universe buries strange jewels deep within us all and then stands back to see if we can find them. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I feel like that's what our ancestors do with us in our mm -hmm. dream, in our life, in our dreams. And so, you know, for me, there's, there's different dreams that I've woven into this painting and I've kind of always got my antenna up in life. Like, is there something, is the next thing being called forth? You know, is, I was at um, Spirit Weavers Gathering, which is a women's gathering. This was um, in 2018. And I was teaching dream work there, dreaming with the ancestors. And there was a moment where this beautiful musician, Pia, was singing in this, in this beautiful polyphonic way. And I was walking through the woods and it was just like, oh, I'm walking through my dream. I'm walking through the woods. I'm hearing this music. So we just never know where our dreams will kind of echo with daily life. And for me, that gives a sense of, of meaning. Like when I have those synchronistic moments, it feels like it's, it's my wider, wiser self saying, you're where you need to be. Keep the path. The dark moments, you've made it through them. And here's, here's a little jewel that's been planted to grow in you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're talking all about this. It brings up for me a couple of different things that have been themes in my own life lately. Yeah, you know, one I found this new obsession, if you will, with pilgrimage sites in the Celtic world and how many of them are associated with water. So there's a you know a well, mm -hmm. um, maybe there's a sacred tree by it. And people will go to those spots and um, pray there, make an offering there, um, sometimes in the form of coins into the well, sometimes into the form of there's a, a tree that you might tie a, a ribbon to, these called ploti trees, and then you make a wish at the same time. Um, often health-related wishes. Um, but th these sites are just really fascinating to me. And I think that it is 
part of it is that ancestral call because many of my ancestors came from that region of the world. And then also I've been thinking about, um, I have several Native American ancestors um, from both sides of my mother's and father's family. On my mother's side, I, I don't know which person it is. It's It's sort of like oh, there was somebody. And then I look at this long list and I don't, I can't tell which person it was. So that's a little sad. Um, and then the, my father's side, um, this was my great grandmother who was Choctaw and, and, and had to um, be moved to Oklahoma with the trail of tears and all of that mess. But um, there's a little sadness for me there because I don't know anything about their own beliefs, their, um, there's been a disconnect because the European culture just sort of overpowered those, those myths and those stories. Um, and I feel that with artwork, it might not be appropriate in all cases to, you know, just, I don't know what, study Choctaw culture or something and then just bring in those those symbols when it's there is it's so it's feeling discontent and disconnected and I wouldn't want to misappropriate anything yeah. um, which is a word that I feel we've been here I've been hearing a lot in the, the art world and it simply means to um, you don't want to adopt a piece of artwork a symbol and use it in your own piece in a way that might not have been appropriate for that culture. Or, you know, it might be that this is a symbol that only the shaman would, would mm. draw out or something. But if I'm not aware of those things, then I might be misusing it or it, I don't want to be disrespectful. So, so there's, I have a little sadness about it. I'd love to, to learn more and connect more, but I do want to do it appropriately. So it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately and you're, you're, thoughts about the ancestors and, and and how they come up in dreams is resonating with me because of that. And I have had several dreams about this. Um, in one dream, I'll briefly share that there's part of my yard where in the dream, a, a Native American grandfather figure was telling me this, this is the sacred spot. <laughs> um, and it's sort of, it's by the garage, it's over by the trash can, but it's also close to where I have my, uh, a, a rose bush that's very special to me. And he was saying, you know, this, this spot is special. And there was some question about whether I would be able to um, take care of it. Mm. You know, can they trust me enough to take care of the spot? Um, and uh, so those are my thoughts and reflections on after hearing everything that you're sharing. It's so beautiful and powerful. I, can I offer some reflections? Sure, sure. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind, just backing up a little bit kind of around like cultural appropriation, I think it is mm. such an important conversation for artists, mm. for makers, for all of us, you know, to mm. be aware of and to be conscious of. Sure. Um, and for me personally, you know, I feel like there's a big difference between feeling like, let's say, for instance, you dreamed of a symbol that you thought was related to 
your Choctaw ancestry, or let's say you were doing some research in a book and you found a, a certain type of food like you know squash or something or corn that was eaten by your ancestors possibly, and you felt a mm. resonance to explore that. You know, if if you're doing something for your own practice, for your own expression mm-hmm. journey, this is just my opinion, but I feel like that is so different than saying, I'm going to make this piece of art and necessarily sell it, or I'm going to mm-hmm. teach a workshop on, you know, this subject, mm-hmm. but I have not been raised in it. So I think there's mm-hmm. something really special about giving ourselves space to expand into the symbols and, mm-hmm. and it feels authentic and we want it to be part of our personal practice. I, mm-hmm. I think that that's appropriate. So it might look like, you know, making a piece of art or crafting something that's for your own personal spirit, that's for your home, mm-hmm. that's for your altar, etc. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I was also going to say, you know, in terms of the dream, um, it feels really rich. Like if, if it were mm-hmm. my dream, it feels like, like a beautiful invitation to mm-hmm. connect with the earth. And that was something that I wanted to share in relationship to working with ancestors that feels really important to me is I think in, uh, you know, I'm an American, I'll say in American society, for many of us, there can be such a feeling of distance from living in relation to the earth in a mm-hmm. really um, connective way. You know, if we go back far enough in any of our ancestral lines, there were ancestors that lived intimately with the earth, that that flowed with the seasons, that visited the sacred spring, that planted the seeds that they collected. You know, these these ancestral ways of being connected to earth. Mm-hmm. I think I I don't know. For me, I feel like that's such an important reason I feel called to work with ancestors. My ancestors mm-hmm. is to kind of reestablish. You know, even though I'm on land of indigenous peoples, the coast, Miwok and the Southern Poa people that I am not descended from, I can still with honor love the earth I'm on and also maybe build a bridge to my ancestral lands. So, mm. you know, maybe there's some sort of earth honoring ritual of that space, you know, if this were my dream in the backyard, like maybe there's mm. something I put there, maybe it's a, a small altar, maybe I plant something, mm. maybe I venerate that rose tree that I love you know maybe yeah. there's something that can be almost like an umbilical cord to the earth mm, yeah yeah and I did plant a service berry tree which is a native tree that has berries that the birds like to eat so that was one action taken but yeah I think you're right I think that more could be done with that space in particular yeah yeah thank you it's trusting those those symbols that come in our dreams those things Mm -hmm. and as I said like taking some sort of action because I think I know I and I think a lot of people yearn for a feeling of belonging a feeling of community a feeling of connection a feeling of being wanted by the earth and loved by the earth and wanting to to have that Mm -hmm. vital a vital connections so mm. ancestor work can really help us kind of reweave with the land yeah yeah well said well said oh, okay so we're going to pivot to a different question <laughs> yeah um, so Teresa Vasquez and I we went on a pilgrimage to see 
the Hilma Off Clint exhibit that was at the Guggenheim in 2019. Uh, and this, if you want to hear Teresa and I chatting all about it, uh, it's episode 64 on the podcast. So I know that you visited that same exhibit, Tanaya, and what were your thoughts on it, feelings? What'd you think? <laughs> yeah, visiting the Hilma Off Klimt exhibit at the Guggenheim, I'd only found out about her art a little bit prior to that. I had had a show of my art and someone said, you should check out Hilma Off Klimt. I think you might <laughs> love her art. And so okay. I checked it out and I just instantly was mesmerized um by her creations and you know I've never flown across countries for an art exhibit but I was just I, I had to go to this show um some of my thoughts it's hard to put it into words you know I, I've studied art I went to art school and you know part of my experience at art school my art is um intuitive it's improvisational it's not conceptual it's really you know my creative process is really about kind of writing the channel of energy and seeing where it goes okay and I mm -hmm. haven't I that wasn't really a thing <laughs> at mm -hmm. art school for me and so going to see Helma's art which was inspired by her spiritual connection you know walking into the Guggenheim and seeing it filled with one woman's art that had never really been seen before. I mean, her pieces had been seen a little mm -hmm. bit here and there, mm -hmm. but to have an artist showcased on that level, whose art we've never seen. Like I think of like, you know, Matisse and, and Degas, like these artists that are so amazing and I love them, but it's like certain artists, we've seen their art so many times. Mm -hmm. I call it almost being like immune to the prettiness. Like it can be hard <laughs> to see with fresh eyes. Yeah. And so Hilma's art, it was just like, boom, like here is a complete expression, you know, and, mm -hmm. and to have, you know, so many pieces of her creation in one space that had never been viewed before. It was just astounding. I, I felt like her work were windows um, into another dimension. And for me personally, it felt like a dimension that I love and know and am connected to. And it's mysterious. I don't really know what that dimension is, but there's there's something about these portals that um, really transported me. And it was one of the most visit. I think it was the most visited exhibit ever at the Guggenheim. Um, mm. I wrote something about the exhibit. I'd love to share if I oh, can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it. So this is something I wrote um, right after the exhibit, and I said. So I'm referencing here um, the 10 largest. These are 10 enormous tempera on paper paintings she did. So as I walked into the room where the 10 largest are hung, I felt my body electrify with shivers and tears come to my eyes, my heart swelling with emotion and recognition as these brilliant paintings danced in front of me. Opening myself energetically and sensing them with my body, I began to sway and felt an impulse to dance with them, moving my arms to trace her lines and patterns. I only did that in my imagination. <laughs> There's something- New York, you could have done it. <laughs> I probably could. <laughs> um, There's something about the scale of these pieces in particular that seem to envelop one's body. Mm -hmm. And with the swirling lines and undulating shapes, my being longed to somehow express these forms with my form. 
and I'll just say at the Guggenheim, you ascend a spiral to get to the top. So yes. you go into the exhibit and you're like, it, it just had this ritualistic feeling of entering this beautiful kind of seashell building and then mm -hmm. spiraling upward. As I, ascend, as I ascended the spiraling path of the architecture, I again had the impression that the architecture of the Guggenheim designed by Frank Lloyd Wright as a temple to the human spirit was energetically collaborating with Hilma's art to create a hypnotic and synergistic effect. And I really remembered this when I was there. I had this just awareness of Frank Lloyd Wright and Helma and her paintings almost activating the space, like feeling mm -hmm. like there was this synergy of them. Elements of the building were echoed in Helma's paintings. The gold mm -hmm. circles embedded on the terrazzo floor, the golden water fountains on each floor representing the golden chalices in her Alchemical Tree of Life series, the triangle hourglasses point to point at the apex of the ceiling. Her work, guided by spirits she connected with in seances in the 1900s, vibrates with the energy of the other world, the world of pure energy that lives embedded within our everyday world of form. I believe these paintings are encoded seeds sent forth from the past for just this time, ready to speak to us and spark us, remembering awe, wonder, mystery, beauty, and the importance of trusting in the unseen, our intuitive guidance, and the magic of the spirit realm. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah, lovely. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, and did, were you aware that she had designed a temple for, so for our listeners, Helma Hoffklint designed a temple that she just drew out. So we have it in the notebooks um, that was a spiral shape. And then I think it was going to be at the very top where you would have the 10 largest. And um, so, you, so it would be a process of going through the spiral, getting to the apex at the top and, um, and then, you know, spiraling back down almost like a labyrinth back in and out. And then it, it, you know, of course, Frank Lloyd Wright's building is shaped in that same way. So it was um, echoing her own dreams of having that special temple space. And um, one wonders, you know, what is what called Frank Lloyd Wright to create that space uh, and that particular shape? Is it uh, is this a universal symbol that's appealing to? so many of us, this spiral that does have a, a spiritual, that is somehow reflecting the spiritual realm to create that spiral shape. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what he was thinking, um, but it was very powerful to see that in this space. Yes, I totally yeah. agree. And I was just so taken with how fresh, like that's the yeah. way, like this art was made in the 1900s and it feels like it was made today, like in, yeah. in the best possible way, just this freshness, this energy. And, you know, for people who might not know, like her work, you know, is considered abstract and it predates, like if you look in an art history book, you know, we think all these male yeah. abstract artists, they're all after her. So this was just coming from such a, a fresh and vital place. Um, hmm. And I think the last thing I want to say about her art is 
to me, there's an element of, of the incredible reception to her art at the Guggenheim mm. and what that says about what people are hungry for. Her art is mm. mysterious. It's coming from the spirit realm. You know, she believes, and I personally believe you don't have to believe that, but you know, that, that people felt on a visceral level, so-called. Mm. I ran into people at the exhibit that had traveled from all over the country to be in this exhibit. So there's something I think we're yearning for that her art exemplifies and expresses. Yes, yes, I agree. I totally agree. Mm. Mm -hmm. Thanks for inviting me to revisit that one. Yes, yes, <laughs> wonderful. I, well, I knew that your thoughts on it would be rich, so I'm glad to be able to ask you these questions. So my final question for you is that I'm writing a book on symbols and and actually side note i just finished the rough draft congratulations <laughs> i can't even believe that i've actually i mean there's a lot to do still but it's it's been such a labor of love it's been so much work um and the book has a series of essays um some of which talking about dream symbolism and what the psychology world thinks about symbolism and then stories from my own life. And then there's an encyclopedia at the end. Um, so anyway, so I'm writing this book on symbols and I love hearing about what images are most important to people. Uh, what's one of your favorite symbols and what does it represent to you? Yeah, and I'll just say I'm so excited to read your book when it's published. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so the symbol that really feels like an important anchor in my life is the symbol of an eye so like the oh. eye. and it's um to me it represents inner sight it, it represents seeing beyond just the physical um to me it represents illumination creativity you know really tapping into um what our creative vision is. I, I have an eye tattooed on my ankle and I, oh. of my, um, you know, my, my reason, my, my reason for getting that was really to kind of commit to my own creative vision and, and creativity. So that's what it, it means to me. And my word, my name has the word I in it, <laughs> Tanaya. So when I was, um, at art school, I used to write my name in a hieroglyphic where I'd have the number 10 and then a drawing of an I and then YA for Tanaya, kind of a phonetic spelling. Oh, fun. Eyes <laughs> show up in my art everywhere, so. <laughs> oh, fun, yeah, yeah. Awesome, yeah, that reminds me of several things like um, in some medieval Christian art, the god is represented as an eye the all-seeing eye there's also the hamsa the traditional um, middle eastern hand you have an eye in the middle of it and that eye is supposed to be warding off the evil eye so it's a protective symbol and then also i was revisiting recently the transcendental eye i don't know if you've read about this but emerson did this essay that was on nature it's one of his longest essays, but in it, he talks about how being in nature and being fully aware and really seeing everything around you is the closest experience that one can have to being connected to God. So um, people did illustrations of the transcendentalist as just 
it's an eyeball with legs. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I'm reminded of all those things. Yes, the eyes are a wonderful, wonderful symbol. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know that you have a free offer that, that if listeners are interested in, they can go to your website and receive. So tell us a little about that, because I think it would be perfect as a creativity inducer or stimulator. <laughs> oh, I would love to invite folks. Um, my website is dreamsthatspeak.com. And on there I have a, it's a 15 minute dream journey to the healing waters of creativity. So it's a guided imagery journey using the tool of the heartbeat drum. So I'm drumming on it. And that just helps you relax and sort of get into that deeper theta brainwave state where it is easier to vision and kind of <laughs> awaken that inner eye. Um, yes. And I'd love for folks to go on that journey and, and kind of see where it leads and see what bubbles up in terms of accessing maybe a new creative outlet or a new creative vision. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing all of your thoughts tonight. I knew it would be rich and exciting, and it, of course it was. And I look forward to connecting with you in future. And um, thank you, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. And I'll just say, if folks are interested in Dreaming with the Ancestors class, that's yes. starting in November. And it's a four-week class yes. to cultivate a nurturing and supportive relationship with your ancestors through the intuitive dream work practice. And I'd love to share this space and some of the, the tips and tricks and tools that I have developed for making those connections and bringing them into waking life. Wonderful. Wonderful. And can I ask, so on the, when, if you take the class, um, is it going to be lots of dream, uh, guided dream meditations, and then you sort of reflect on it with questions? How, how is it going to be structured? That's a great question. So it's a four Tuesday evenings in okay. November, and they're going to be live Zoom classes. So I'm going to walk people through you know, just the basic tools of intuitive dreaming. So learning how to dialogue about dreams, reflect on them, and then also talking about how can we honor our ancestors? Why do we want to make those connections? How to create an ancestor altar or other ways of honoring them? And then I'll also be doing guided journeys to connect and kind of bring some of those symbols forth. So it'll be multifaceted, but they will be live classes that will be recorded in case folks can't make them at the okay. time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it sounds exciting and wonderful. So thank you for sharing that about that and all of your thoughts and dreams. So, Oh, thank, thank you, you. Addie. This has been lovely. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome. In closing, this concludes the Studio Alchemy podcast. May these thoughts and stories comfort and heal your spirit. May you be filled with inspiration. May you be like the lotus flower and build your home in the muddy water. May you find your voice.